Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in the Big Five. I'm here with a Philadelphia legend, Mr. <laughs> Tony Chanel. What's going on with you, Tony? What's up? Thanks for having me on, bro. <laughs> nah, man. Thank you for being on, especially on short notice. Thank you for doing this. We, we're here in North Philly. Obviously, a part you're familiar with in the city. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Tony, you first went to Wake Forest yes. um, before transferring to Villanova, and that's where our relationship started to cultivate. Mm-hmm. But just talk to us about coming up in the Big Five, like being a kid and in the city, as big as you were in the city, just seeing what the Big Five was. Uh, the Big Five was really influential for me as a kid. You know, I remember like going to like St. Joe's versus Villanova games at mm-hmm. Higgin Arena, um, going down to Palestra, seeing LaSalle play Temple. Um, with my, my older brothers and my uncle. So I grew up um, a fan of Big Five, um, yeah. watching that basketball. And you seen like the playing the Big Five, you had to have a certain toughness, a certain grit yeah. that required to, to be able to be a, a good player and a good team in the Big Five. So Big Five not only holds a special place in my heart, but just a special place in college basketball in general. Mm-hmm. So, Tone, as you were coming up, like – did it ever cross your mind to play? Because I'm like, you you were the Gatorade player of the year. Mm-hmm. You're obviously mm-hmm. being recruited all mm-hmm. around. Like, did it ever occur to you, like, Damn, I might stay in Philly and play for a big five team? Um, So, funny story. This is how life worked, right? My <laughs> first offer was who? Villanova. Oh, so, man. Villanova offered me in ninth grade. Um, I wanted to commit, but I was like, man, it's too early, man. I'll probably get other schools. Yeah. Um, I always love Villanova. Anybody know me personally know I love Villanova because, funny story, me and Taylor, Jay's son, used to play AAU together. Uh-huh. They was on my AAU team, Taylor <laughs> and and on um, Colin. We used to call Taylor AK-47 because Taylor could really shoot the yes. ball really good. Yes, still a, can. Yeah. He'd be <laughs> he at lunchtime hoops, still yeah, giving out could, work. He could shoot the ball really good. So he was like our shooter in our AAU team, and I was always familiar with Patty and Coach Wright. Uh-huh. And when he offered me the scholarship, I was like, uh, I think it's just too early. I just want to wait it out and see. And then as I, I got into my recruiting process, um, I really fell in love with Wake Forest. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like that was the best thing for me to get away from home. I had to find my identity as a person. Yeah. And I became who I was, the man I am now at Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. And that allowed me to come with a certain maturity when I transferred back to Villanova that I wouldn't have had Mm -hmm. if I would have went to Villanova right out of high school. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm kind of like happy that I kind of took that route opposed to going there immediately where I would just be immature, always kind of been used to being home. I could have like any time, if I'd had any adversity my freshman year, I would just went home. Yeah. And then try to like, you know, you know how you could go home every day. You would try to go home as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Opposed to when you're away, you have to figure it out. You have to figure and it less, out. And well, life, life is about figuring things out. So I'm kind of happy I took the route that I did. Mm-hmm. So as you're, obviously, like you said you got the offer your freshman year. Watching Big Five throughout high school, what was your favorite matchup? You I talked about the great talk about Dover the St. Joe's. Please like, talk to like, us about because people don't understand how like, big the quote unquote holy war is between these like, schools. Man, like I remember, like when Randy and them first got to college, and like Jamarino was like seniors, and they was mm-hmm. going at it. And then, like when later years, when Tashi Carr was at St. Joe's, 
playing against like Scotty Reynolds, Corey Fisher, and mm-hmm. those battles. So like th- the Holy World was like the best rivalry for me in the Big Five, okay. and I think it's gonna be even great now too with Billy Lane now being at St. Joe's. Yeah, um, Billy Lane's a great coach, even better person. Um, he comes under the Villanova tutelage under Coach Wright, so I think you know those are gonna be tough games because yeah. nobody know. Villanova better than Villanova. Nobody knows Villanova better than Billy Lane. Yeah. Man. Like, nah, those are going to be, those, I, so, I was telling somebody, I was like. People don't understand that. I understand. Yes. Like, Billy Lane, he developed a lot of us when we yes. were there. Like, I, people, like, look at Kyle Larry. A lot of Kyle Larry development has to be responsible to Billy Lane. Billy Lane has to get credit for that. Because uh-huh. remember, he's becoming the gym yeah. at, like, uh, for like Saturday Kyle, morning. Yeah, yeah. Kyle in there. Counter at five, missing jump shots, throwing the ball, kicking the ball, Billy running to get it. <laughs> Billy like, shh, I got to deal with this this morning. Then I got to coach these guys in the next workout. Yeah. So um, I just take my hat off to Billy Lane, man. And um, I just want, I just hope that he have a lot of success at St. Joe's. And I'm, he knows I'm rooting for him every game besides Villanova. <laughs> my man, my man. <laughs> so obviously Temple is right in your backyard. Yeah. Why not Temple? Um... Because you're from Albany, you know, that's, right? You, you go, you well, go a couple minutes. Why down. not Lasalle? True, 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 true. I just, I feel big, like it's just, it's a bit of a more, it's a draw to Temple, especially yeah, with absolutely. North Philly guys. No, like, for, so I missed the Cheney era. Okay. So I think it would have been a little bit different if mm-hmm. John Cheney was there, because like when I talked to like my dad and like older guys who play in the city. Mm-hmm. They compared John Cheney to like a John Thompson senior. Yeah. So if Cheney was there and probably recruited me, I think it would have been probably a different like it'd have been different for me. Like yeah. I probably would have fell in love with the way he coached, the way he had his relationship with his players. But Temple always had a good program. Like they had guys like uh, Mark Tendell that played there, Marty Collins, uh-huh. um, Deontay Christmas, a lot of yeah. good local players from Philly who had great careers there. But I don't know. I just never really looked at Temple. Um, I always like, like I said, like Villanova and St. Joe's, my two favorite Big Five schools, because my first college game I went to when I seen Jamari Nelson and Delonte West play when they was Jamari was a senior and Delonte was a junior. They was like number one in the country. Yeah. And then I was like, yo, man, I want to play at this level. Mm-hmm. That's why I need to be playing that okay, okay. environment like this. That's fair enough. Tone, you you spoke on the idea of getting away from home, mm-hmm. and this this question has two parts. But the first part of it was. How important was that for you? Because I don't think people understand. Like for me, it was when I went overseas. Obviously, I came back home. Mm-hmm. I went up to prep school. Mm-hmm. I came back home. I played four mm-hmm. years in Nova. But for me, that kind of happened when I went overseas. Like and that's me. I was. Like, so you, you figure out a lot about just as a young man. I mean, don't get me wrong. As a person in general, but especially I feel like as young men um, in this game, you figure out a lot about yourself when, like you said, you have to figure it out when you're off and you're, quite frankly, isolated. You might not be lonely, but mm-hmm. you're alone in a lot of mm-hmm. your thinking and being and, and mm-hmm. the way you process the game. And it's just different. So please just harp on the importance of like leaving home for um, the sake of, of I, figuring out certain things. I think sometimes like if a kid feel like he has a lot of pressure, uh-huh. meaning from like his family, his community, I think it may be the best thing to leave home because... You, your decisions are always going to be influenced by your family. Yeah. Like you're not making decisions on your own merit. Yeah. So part of part of life, especially as an adult, you have to have the mental capacity to make decisions. Yeah, you know what I mean. And a, a lot of young people don't understand that because, as athletes, specifically basketball players, coming from where we come from, a lot of our decisions are premeditated from yes. AU coaches, parents, yeah. handlers. 
So I didn't really start making decisions till I got to college. Yeah. Like my brother, like you gonna do this? My my, my high school coach, if you doing this, you doing that. So like when I got to Wake, I like I really had freedom to make my own decisions. Yeah. And having that freedom allowed me to become the man I am today. So that's why I say it's important to go away from school, but it's also it's kind to that as well. Meaning that when you're away from school, you don't have the accessibility to your family. Yeah. You're you're in a whole totally different environment, so you just can't go home when you want to. You know, you're forced to get out your shell. So if you're somebody who's kind of quiet and somebody that's kind of like need family going away, it might not be best for you. Yeah. And and so many guys you see, like I was joking about it the other day, how I keep ending up in Philly. When I was in middle school, I lived down in the DMV area in PG County, my I father. And I had to, I came back. I went down I there and it was great. It was three years, all three years of middle school. I would come back in the summers, and and I started high school. I came back. I went to King. Um, so you went to King for a year, right? Yeah, yeah. I went to King for a year. Uh, after high school, I was like, all right, I want to go to prep school. My plan was to go up to Boston to prep school and then go out west, play in the Pac-12 or one of those conferences <laughs> out there. That that kind of up and down basketball. Yeah. My four schools come down to South Carolina, Utah, Seton Hall, and Villanova. The best choice is obviously Villanova. And everybody did well. Like you look at South Carolina my senior year went to the Final Four. Utah made a couple of good runs. They had Kyle Kuzma on that team. Mm-hmm. Seton Hall was the only team that beat yeah. us three yeah. out of the four yeah. years I was yeah. there from the Big East. So, like, all of the schools were great, but obviously I made the right mm-hmm. decision in coming to Nova. I got to meet people like you. I got mm-hmm. to, you know, meet a, a lot of people that, quite honestly, are a huge part of what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. But you see so many times guys leave Philly and then come back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And why do you think that is? Philly's a unique place, man. Um, mm-hmm. The thing about Philly is no gray area here. A lot of places in this country is a lot of gray area. There's a lot of fluff. Yeah, it's not too much fluff in Philly. Yeah, yeah. Either you like it or you don't. Yes. And being a native of Philadelphia, you appreciate that authenticity. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think a lot of players do come back. And the one of the realest things I heard from one of my former coaches is, you have to go to college. Where somewhere you could envision yourself living after basketball, mm. and it never really like, it never really hit me till I got to Nova. Yeah, cause like yo, like say I would have stayed down wait for four years, I wasn't living down there. <laughs> it was in Winston Salem. Like I like it's a good town, but yeah. that was at night. It was like I am legend down there. Like it was nobody <laughs> outside. So it was like I couldn't see myself spending the rest of my life there. But yeah. I enjoyed the 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 um. The experience I have there, but mm-hmm. Philadelphia is somewhere I can experience. I, I can envision myself, you know, spend the rest of my life, or, or even like New York, where it's a huge Nova um, alumni network and LA places like yeah. that. So it was, um, that's one thing that kind of like I, I advise kids: go to school where you're gonna you can envision yourself living after your basketball career or, or your sports career is over, because that's where your resources and contacts is at. That is true. That is true. It's funny. My brother, he went to JMU, Yo-Yo. He talked mm-hmm. about that. Like, he was like, you don't understand how many times I have to go back there, like, to work out and things like that. He was like, you kind of, he told me, he said, you take it for granted because you go, you went to Nova. And you're, you go, you right up the street. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. He was like, yeah, for you, you're, you're right there. And I, I never understood point. it. I never understood it. Tone, just to change gears a bit. You're a huge part of what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. you know, and using my communications degree and kind of honestly getting a head start on life after basketball. And immediately after college, you decided I'm done with basketball and you jump right in the mm-hmm. film. You started your web series, Old Heads. Mm-hmm. You know, you've written several screenplays. And it's funny because, like, 
when I got to college, we were locker mates. Like our locker was right next, yeah, to, right each next to each other. And it was like, I didn't know if they did it on purpose because of the Philly thing. But the more we talked, I'd understood. And like I said, I don't believe there's any mistakes in any of this. Yeah. The more we talked, the more I realized that a lot of your thinking that fell in line with mine is, I'm not saying I'm walking away from basketball. I'm not saying that I don't love it. It's just, I can see outside Solid of basketball. I can yeah, see outside. Picture. Yeah, I can see outside of basketball. I already know what I want to be doing mm-hmm. after that. And mm-hmm. no knock to anybody else. Don't get me wrong. It's sometimes what makes great players, the great players they are, their ability to just focus tunnel on Tunnel vision. Yeah, yeah that, that tunnel vision with yeah. it. But for me and you, it was always like, no, I love this game. I dedicate my life to this game. But I know what would happen if it would end. And yeah. Or if I decided yeah. to end it. So just where did that come from? Where did that wear thought of, of knowing your other passions in life come from? Um, to be transparent, man, after like my brother passed away, I knew I was done with basketball mm. because my brother was like my biggest um, influential person in my life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we used to talk every day, especially at the games. And uh, that was a difficult void to fill. And so them last two years in the back of my mind, I knew I was done. Yeah. Um. But I was just trying to figure out what's next for me. So I went, I went through that exploration process of figuring that out. And I, I opened myself to new experiences. Yeah. And I took a screenwriting course at Villanova with Steve McWilliams. And I had um, an intro to film class with Hezekiah, Hezekiah Lewis. And those two professors were like pivotal in, in my transformation of becoming a filmmaker. Now, if I wasn't open, if I was somebody who was just closed-minded, like, no, nah, I'm just... I'm going to just figure it out. I'm going to just go overseas. I'm going to just rely on that. I wouldn't be in the position I am today. So mm-hmm. thank God I was humble. I was humble enough to be a sponge again, to be open to like, hey, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to write a screenplay. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to operate a camera. I don't know how to edit on Adobe or Final Cut, but I want to learn yeah. if you guys teach me. So having that certain type of meekness allowed those two professors to take a liking to me and, and, and take me under their wing. And now allow me to do what I'm doing now. So I'm mm-hmm. definitely thankful for that. Okay, okay. Tone, I feel like your um, tenacity and your relentlessness that you had on the court, because anybody who knows your game know like you like to drive to the basket. That was your thing. <laughs> but it, it's so funny. It's so funny when you look at players. There are a few players that they are two different people when they're on and off the court. A lot of players, you'll see that their personality on the court is a direct correlation of who they are off yeah, of it. yeah. And you have that same relentlessness in your filmmaking mm-hmm. and, and in your production. How do you keep it going when you get to a point? Because on the court, it's like, oh, I didn't get that point or I didn't get a foul or I didn't, I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. I just grind, grind, grind mm-hmm. until I'm on the floor. Mm-hmm. I get a foul. Mm-hmm. You know, I force a foul pretty mm-hmm. much. I make mm-hmm. them, the refs call it, mm-hmm. or I go and make a basket. Mm-hmm. How did that transition into, okay, I'm in film. But when I hit a roadblock, it isn't the same. You know, I can't just get in the gym and get up shots to kind of get out of a slump or something like that. I just think being fearlessness and that mm-hmm. battle tested, man. Like, when I was at Nova, like, you wasn't there that first year. That first year was hell, bro. Yeah. Like. It was adjustment. I mean, you're, you're coming like, from Wake like, Forest. Like and you're learning a different culture. ACC to Big East. And yeah. it, just come, it just came off a 12 and 19 season. Like, Coach Wright didn't even call me my first name when I my, he didn't call me by my name when I first got there. I mm-hmm. won't say the name, but he didn't call me my name for the first three months. Like, and every day he was riding me, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so bad. Like, I remember most of I was like, yo, man, like, why are you riding Tony so much? Like, mm-hmm. um, he just got here. Like, he trying to figure out the system, like, X, Y, and Z. But I figured out what he was, I didn't realize what he was doing until I left. 
he knew I had the worst situation out of anybody on the team. As far as my family, um, as far as not, ha- I, I didn't have the same resources that the other players had. So mm-hmm. he knew my life was going to probably be a little more difficult. So that's his. That was his way of making me tough. And now looking back, I appreciate it because now when I present a film idea to somebody or somebody said they don't like my film or said it's not going to work, I take it in a stride mm-hmm. and I move forward with it, mm-hmm. knowing in the back of my mind it is going to work. Because anything I endure in this film business or in this film industry is not what I went through losing my mom, my brother. is not what I went through, how Coach Wright made me a man, mm-hmm. how he made me tougher. So I take those valuable lessons of being fearlessness and I apply it to the film industry. I don't take no for an answer. Yeah. You don't believe in it. Somebody else will. Yeah. So that's my mentality. Okay. Okay. Well, last question. You're actually the first person I'm going to do this with. <laughs> because, like I said, in so many ways, you taught me a lot of things. And I think a huge part of your story is the idea of believing. Mm-hmm. What do you want people to believe in going forward? If you could leave people with one message, what do you want people to believe, believe in? Believe in yourself, man. Like, I see so many people, like, especially when they get out of college, trying to please their parents, trying to, like, please their friends, like, Bro, man, my first job out of college, dog, I was making fourteen thousand, bro, mm-hmm. and I was shooting old head with my own money. I was broke. <laughs> I'm talking about having twenty dollars in my account that time, bro. Yeah, I have negative in my account, yeah. but I believe, bro. Mm-hmm. I believed in myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just believe in yourself. Like, even if people like you don't have nobody cheering for you, you got to be your biggest fan, man, because you don't want to look back in this life and realize. You you didn't live the life that you you should have lived, and I advise people go to old folks' homes and talk to older people and ask them what's their biggest regret. I didn't live the life that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. That shit's scary, man. <laughs> like when you you think about it, bro, it's really scary. Like just think about it. Like you can yeah. sit at this corporate job for the next twenty twenty five years. You get your benefits. You get your four hundred one k. You live life. By yeah. the, the by confinements, confinements yeah. of society, yeah. but you're not happy, yeah, because you never took a chance to find out what was your passion about. Yeah. You let society tell you how to live life instead of finding a passion and learn how to make money off that passion yeah. and live life in your own terms. That's success. Yes, living life on your own terms and doing what you love to provide a living for yourself. That's, that's success. success. Success is not sitting somewhere. Doing something you don't believe in just for a paycheck. I disagree on that. Mm-hmm. And I stand on that, bro. I really do. My man. Thank you. Thank you. I I, I, I love it. I love it. It was exactly <laughs> what I thought it would be. That question, would, would it would bring that passion up out of you. Well, this has been another episode of Believe in the Big Five. Like I said, we're here with Philadelphia legend Tony Chenault. Mm-hmm. Not just a legend in basketball, but a legend to this city because he is a true inspiration in believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, thank you for being on. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.